This is Geek Gab with your hosts, Darnall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, May 20th, 2023. You, uh, you will not know how close I just came to 2022. Maybe because it was the 20th. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm so exhausted my brain is... Uh, is literally melted at the bottom of my skull. I can feel it sloshing around every time I turn my head left and right. It's like it's like having soup someone poured into my skull through my ear. Um, uh, I'm supposed to say at this point, my 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 soup of a brain is telling me, uh, Dornall, how was your week? <laughs> it was good. Took the last week off for uh, my birthday. I'm a little bit older now. Not that that's a big deal. Uh, but uh, doing well, doing well. I don't have much to add uh, this week. Mostly been uh, suffering at work in uh, in the Pacific Northwest's heat wave. There's a heat wave. <laughs> yeah, we had a we had a handful of uh, ninety degree days, which is unusual for the middle of May, to say the least. I tell you. How bad my brain is today. You, you, you know what something image about the, soup in your skull. <laughs> you know what image the term heat wave conjures up in my brain? What's that? And also throw out the I'll throw out the number nineteen ninety seven because of this. Um is is rats in uh hula in in uh in hula Grass skirts. in skirts dancing, yeah. Yeah. Why? Uh, What's the connection? It, it's, uh, I believe it's uh, uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Um, or not Mickey's Christmas Carol, the, the Muppet Christmas Carol, right? Where, where Kermit says, oh, Mr. Scrooge, can we have half a piece of coal to toss on the fire? It's so cold. And then Michael Caine snaps something about firing everybody and then they start dancing it's a heat wave it's a tropical heat wave rizzo and all the rats do that's that's how my brain is working today so you're just gonna have to be prepared for it. i'm my prepared every time we start the show i'm ready my my brain literally jumped all those connections right to heat wave it 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 didn't even hit any any place else on the track. Heat wave, bam! Rats in skirts dancing. That's something else. Maybe how we should figure out how we can leverage that for the good of mankind somehow. <laughs> Some amazing inferences. So, speaking of exhausted and melted brain, D Dubs, how about your week? Um. Oh darn. Well, um, no, actually, I had a good week. I had a great week. I had two things I was going to talk about, but secretly I had three things I was going to talk about. We don't have enough time to talk about the third thing. First thing is I saw a trailer for uh, Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, and it looks really good. I think this will be another blockbuster for Tom. I think this will actually be a good movie, um, which, uh, you know, all the other supposed blockbusters coming look like 
or 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 what people wanted them to be blockbusters coming are going to turn out not to be blockbusters. I'm just predicting. Um, but yeah, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning um, popped up uh, last night, and it looked great. I think it'll be great. Um, and no comment. Okay, this we'll is a Tom Cruise fan channel. I mean, I think uh, you and uh, we talked with David West a couple weeks ago, and and we had a whole segment on how much everybody loves Tom Cruise and his movies. So that'll it's almost a must see situation. See, Tom, everybody loves Tom Cruise movies because he still makes good movies. <laughs> if Tom Cruise is making garbage the way a lot of other people have been making garbage, it uh, people wouldn't like him. Um, the Fast and the Furious has been making good movies too. Not as good as Tom Cruise's movies, I will admit, even though I like the Fast and the Furious movies. Um, but they've still been good movies. And... Uh, it looks like Fast 10 uh, is doing, it's on its way to a solid 66 mil weekend. I noticed the headline because it's next to the next thing I was going to talk about. But still, people like the Fast and the Furious movie. So uh, anyways, the next thing I was going to talk about is finally, and I also found this reason for this. I have been peeved for so long because some of the movies that are my favorite movies, um, like, uh, I guess some two movies that are some of my favorite movies, The Abyss and True Lies, have not come for purchase on digital and apparently have not come either to Blu-ray or to 4K, are finally going to be coming this year and they are oh and also titanic and the first avatar um and i add those in because that's also part of the story not because i personally am really care um they're james cameron flicks all four of them and i've been peeved for a long time because they continue not being released and i have like uh i have a wish list but i can't even add the movies to the wish list because they're not listed so i have to add like the soundtrack and every so often i'm reminded to check my wish list and when i go into my wish list i'm reminded to check to see if those movies have been added because i've got the soundtrack not because I want the soundtrack, because I don't, because I've got a wish list for the soundtrack, so I haven't purchased it. Then I go check the movies, and they haven't been added for literally decades, two decades. I've been checking these, uh, or, or, you know, 15, 16 years. Finally, there was a sort of backdoor announcement that they would be coming this year. And it turns out the reason is that James Cameron has been so involved in 
the Avatar movies, and he's such a perfectionist that he hasn't taken time to oversee the digital conversion process to get it all done. And so that's why they haven't shown up for purchase on uh, like Apple iTunes and, and whatever. So finally, finally, those are going to be showing up. This still does not explain why Freejack is not available for purchase or streaming on iTunes and why it's only available for streaming on Amazon Prime. But I'm sure at some point that will possibly be rectified because that one still annoys me. So, yeah, I have movies that I like, that I have my eyes on that aggravate me because they never show up where I like them to. And every now and then I go back and check and I get annoyed when they're not available. But fortunately, this year, the other small thing I want to talk about, True Lies which is, I believe, despite being well-received, really underrated as a spy movie and as an action movie. Um, and uh, The Abyss, uh, which is just an incredible movie. And despite its, you know, uh, underlying political message, uh, I think it's under, it's... Uh, it's an incredible movie, and I will forgive it that. Um, I think James Cameron and, almost killed his cast making that. He did. Oh, I watched. Uh, there's two uh, making of documentaries that I watched on mm -hmm. that that were both excellent that are available on YouTube. They're part of big YouTube channels. Um, one was like an hour long, um, and it, it is grueling, absolutely grueling what they went through. Um and no, I have no idea what the shows were, where the links are or anything. And I'm not even going to promise to add them to the show links or anything. But yeah, if you look on YouTube, you can find uh, some behind the scenes uh, about the making of that show. And it was, uh, I mean, even though they were shooting under quote unquote controlled conditions because they weren't in at sea like they were for water world they were in the uh a half constructed nuclear plant cooling tower uh that they had tossed you know millions of black beads over the top so it was completely black underneath so you couldn't see sunshine couldn't see light rays underneath it so it was technically you know uh, controlled conditions in that sense it was still incredibly dangerous and and things can and did go wrong uh, water is just the worst substance in the world to to shoot in bad for people bad for equipment uh, electricity loves to get loose in water and just go in all kinds of directions so yeah um, fascinating if you can track them down um, you know uh, I know the Joe Blow channel, which is actually where I got this news story from, has one that's like 20 minutes long. That's not the big hour-long one that I watched. That is really great. Um, 
I'm not even going to make a promise to try and track that one down. But if I happen to accidentally, uh, maybe we might put it in the show notes, no promises. Um, and short, 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 uh, I did two weeks ago. We didn't get it in the show. We didn't talk about it last week because, hey, it was a birthday and, you know, we did it. I did my first uh, return to Bomb Brazil. Uh, or the Caribroan Islands uh, adventure, and it was not what anyone expected. Uh, and that went just really incredibly well. And we might actually talk about that on a future episode. Uh, I put up a session report, um, and I may put up some additional stuff. Uh, I revived my blog, which is, uh, I, I purposely stopped, uh, five years ago. Um, I revived it specifically for this session report, um, to, uh, let people know what piracy, uh, in D and D in a D and D, uh, after the events of Grovenloft and the um, blood rain, and that's not blood rain like you would spell it for uh, um, the video game, but literal rain of blood and going out of the sun, that is the literal sun going out in uh, Trilopolis looks like. With the sun gone and the snow, the uh, Caribroan Islands have been cursed. And so uh, even though the sun had come back, the weather in those tropical islands is still frozen. And so the pirate ships are ice riggers. They uh, sail um, the uh, snow drifts and frozen seas and uh yeah so that was the first uh the first um let me i have it it is on daddywarpig.wordpress.com you can check out the very first uh uh very very first session report of uh, a crew from a privateer uh, walked into the world um, and uh, seeing what it was like, uh, how people are surviving and everything like that. So that was a good session. I had a lot of fun. Players had a lot of fun. So those are the three. I, uh, I love the Shackleton picture. Oh, yeah. That was... Uh, that was literally the only picture I could find of uh, any kind of piratey type vessel and ice. Nothing else on the entire internet of that. So I, I don't think anyone else was foolish enough to take a wooden schooner into the ice fields and uh, manage to get a picture of it, you know, marooned, other than yeah. maybe Shackleton. It just, even, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm going to have to work extra hard. I, I 
Uh, I don't think I'm going to have any other pictures. <laughs> so anyways, today's guest is uh, Hans G. Schantz, who we have had on the show once before to discuss the books you see on the shelves behind him. Um, and uh, I need to swallow some water before my throat implodes, so I'm going to hand hey, this over to Hey, welcome back Dorno. to the show, Hans. Well, thank you. I appreciate you inviting me on again. Uh, it's so good to have you back. We were talking before the show. I think it's been five years. It, it's been a while. I, it was uh, not long after I did my first book, The Hidden Truth. Uh, I think that uh, you invited me on. We had a wonderful talk about the difference between uh, alt history and secret history and how my books are kind of a combination of the two. Now that's, that's as far as my memory goes is, is remembering the hidden truth. Uh, and, and it was about someone who sort of discovers these hidden conspiracies and things in, uh, in American history. And uh, so well, you've you've got three books now in the series. Five years later, how'd that go? Uh, so far, so good. I still owe my readers the last book, and that has gotten a bit uh, uh, delayed. I've made some good progress on it, but I just haven't had the time to buckle down and finish it because I've had some other projects, including the one that we're going to be talking about today, that have... Uh, raised their heads and insisted on my finishing them first. Now, it, it's a really important to point out because th I think this is fascinating. Uh, one of my favorite things about uh, you and your work is that unlike uh, bearded, obese uh, authors who shall remain nameless, who can't finish a book, you actually have a, a day job. And it seems like a pretty interesting one, too. Yeah, I am uh, currently the principal scientist at an outfit called Geeks and Nerds Corporation. And I work on antennas and electromagnetics, a little bit of electronic warfare. Uh, recently, I've, I've been channeling my, my ancient background in industrial engineering for a couple of the large projects that my, my company has taken on. So it's, it's been a wonderful, interesting uh, uh, career. Uh, the, not only is that really cool and fascinating on its own, I'm sure your readers absolutely forgive you for, uh, you know, not having all the books finished and being able to write it at multiples the rate of uh, of infamous authors who can't finish a thing. We we can't even say multiples because you can't multiply by zero and get any progress. Um. I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, I just think it's, I, I just no, think it's I, cool. I, I have to say this because this is another announcement that came out this week. And and I, I, I can't believe I'm saying these words as they come out of my mouth. One of these authors who can't finish a book finished a book. But, and, and here's the thing. It's not the book that people have been waiting for. It's a completely different book. And a much shorter book, I, I would add. Well, I, I'm kind of guilty as charged on that since uh, I have a new and completely standalone 
uh, book that I'm I'm crowdfunding for that really has nothing to do with the series that I've left hanging and still have one more book to, to finish up. Uh, so I just learned about this uh, this week. Uh, I should say, I, I, didn't, I didn't look closely at it until today, called The Wise of Heart. That's your new, uh, that's your new book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, could, I could read these blurbs on the site or anything like that, but I figured we've got the man here. What can you tell us about it? Sure. I, it started about, uh, you know, about a year ago, I was watching the old movie Inherit the Wind about the Scopes Monkey Trial. Now, that's where uh, Tennessee biology teacher John T. Scopes was arrested for violating the Butler Act, which forbade the teaching of evolution in Tennessee schools. In uh, the real life story, uh, John T. Scopes uh, was part of a cabal that uh, you know, he agreed to allow himself to be arrested so that he could set up a test case to challenge the law. It attracted a lot of national attention. Uh, William Jennings Bryan, the Democratic candidate for president, was recruited to help the uh, prosecution. And the ACLU lined up Clarence Darrow, the leading defense attorney of the day, to uh, join the defense team to try to challenge the law. Uh, reporters swarmed down upon the little town of Dayton, Tennessee to, to cover the trial. And ultimately, Scopes was found guilty and had to pay a fine. But it was really a watershed moment because it was an, an early battle in the culture war. It was a battle uh, in which the Uh, people attacking the law tried to portray it as modern progressive science taking on the uh, primitive superstitious uh, religion that was being left behind by modern scientific discoveries. And when I saw that dramatized in Inherit the Wind, I had this sudden epiphany that, you know, the shoe is on the other foot. And today we have the advocates of the Uh, progressive, uh, transgender, gender ideology who are really ignoring and defying the truths of biological science about what sex is and how it's determined. And I thought it would make a wonderful story to take the Scopes Monkey trial and bring it up to date, set it in a modern context with a high school biology Uh, teacher who sets out to challenge the Gender Awareness in Academia Act, the Gaia Act, which uh, mandates uh, gender affirmation and forbids teaching uh, that that sex is biologically determined. So that was the starting point of uh, the story. I have been serializing it on uh, Substack and on the Arctoons site, I'm about 20, 23 episodes into what should be a 55 or so episode run. So there's a sizable sample of the work uh, already out there. We're you know, right in the middle of the action in Act 2 uh, right now with the, the courtroom drama. And uh, the, the thing I tried that's a little different here is this is my first attempt to do an illustrated novel. 
you know, I'd considered going the graphic novel route, but it's a courtroom drama. There's not a lot of really engaging visual action. But what I did was I found a really first-rate uh, illustrator, Ellen Chancy, and commissioned a, a whole bunch of line art from her to help illustrate the story and bring it to life. So I decided before I do my formal release of the book in a couple of months to try to get the art paid for in advance by doing a Kickstarter and see if I can get that funded. And the Kickstarter is going very well. I have, uh, it's 90% or so funded as of this morning, and I have another week or so to go. So I think, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, your viewers can help push me over the top and get it, uh, get it funded and get an early look at the, the complete story. Sure. That's, that's a pretty cool story. I like how you came up with the, with the idea. Um, I just want to show real quick, anybody watching on YouTube, I'll show the front page of the Kickstarter uh, so that you can take a look uh, at it. Uh, I, that, that's a really interesting thing you came up with. Uh, of course, uh, you'll find uh, you'll find sympathetic ears here. It's it's uh, strange how the same people who you know claim to you know worship or and love science and things like that could so easily be led into this really strange um, cult, for lack of a, a better word. That that. Uh, you know, denies or or contradicts what we know about the world and biology and everything in the matter of a generation or two. Mm -hmm. it's, it's strange. Well, it was really fascinating for me as I started diving into it to realize that there really isn't a logically rigorous, coherent account of this gender theory and gender ideology. It's all this touchy feely, vague, emotional language. I had to construct a, uh, a proper defense for it because I could not find one in the literature anywhere that I could use. One of the, the fascinating things I came across as I was researching the, the book is uh, Matt Walsh created this really wonderful documentary that I'll recommend, What is a Woman? And he went around to various uh, therapists and activists and pediatricians and so forth, asking them about the whole gender theory and asking them the question, so what is a woman? And it was amazing how, you know, the best answer they'd have is, well, a woman is anyone who says she's a woman. You know, they're unable to define their basic terms, except in that kind of circular reasoning uh, sense. And if I had just you know, taken that straight and rolled it into the novel, it wouldn't have made for much of a conflict. I had to really uh, work hard to try to steel man the argument and provide a, a viable defense for you know, that, that side of the controversy. And uh, you've been releasing, as you said, you've been serializing it. So what has the response been so far? Oh, it, I've had some, some great uh, uh, response. Um, 
I, uh, uh, I, several hundred people are following it on, you know, between Substack and on uh, Arcaven. Uh, you know, every week I have been posting an episode. Uh, I've done a good job. Haven't missed a week yet since uh, back in December. But each episode is a, a standalone scene in the book uh, and has, you know, illustrations uh, and some of the line art that will go into the, the final book. So you can, if, if you're interested in the concept and it sounds good uh, to you, you can go to Arcaven or to the Substack and you start reading. And in fact, uh, you, you'll see, yeah, the, you've got the first episode up there from uh Arkhaven and uh you know, take a look there's an extended sample and see what you think yeah we, we start off in the small town diner with the cabal meeting in fact that is the cabal meeting with the uh the hero of the story who's sitting at the head of the table there's the university president uh president uh cassandra bookman uh, staring at the avocado toast that she uh, uh, had to get at the diner, the superintendent who is trying to uh, uh, coordinate this cabal to challenge the law, and then the mayor sitting there in overalls and crossed arms who's skeptically listening to the, the superintendent uh, describe how he wants to create a big event and draw lots of attention to their, their small town by challenging the Gaia Act. Well, yeah, I wanted to show off this line art. That's that's a cool idea. Um, and gosh, I I mean, I don't have much to add to that except uh, that does sort of generate uh, it generates the interest. You know, I'm actually kind of curious to know, like, follow your thought processes and and know how this thing turns out. Um, sure. Well, it was it was really interesting to me just comparing the history of what really happened at the Scopes trial to how it has been dramatized in you know the play and the movie uh, Inherit the Wind. In Inherit the Wind, you see the 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 innocent biology teacher, mild mannered, minding his own business, just passionately teaching evolution and Darwin to his you know, young, impressionable charges when the police burst in and arrest him. And in real life, it wasn't like that at all. Uh, Scopes was a willing participant in the uh, uh, the cabal. In fact, they never did actually arrest him in the classroom. You know, he was arrested uh, afterwards on the report that he had taught uh, the teaching of evolution. So in my story, it was actually a little closer to the, the real history of what happened by showing the high school teacher protagonist being an active and willing member of the uh, the, the cabal that is getting together to uh, to to set forth to challenge the Gaia Act, and it was fun making sure that I had this uh, uh, meeting of town and gown with everyone properly motivated. You know, the superintendent is a conservative who wanted to challenge the Gaia Act, and he has to persuade uh, President Bookman, a professor of gender studies at the local state university, and get her on board. She is one of the people who advised the state legislature when they drafted the act. 
And, you know, he has to point out that, you know, everyone's ignoring the act. No one's taking it seriously. And both sides need the court case in order to, to test the law. And that's, you know, her agreement and her uh, re surprise recruiting of one of her alumni is the starting point of the, the action. So she brings in the uh, uh, famous state senator or the famous senator from the state, uh, from Washington, who comes back to lead the prosecution, Senator uh, Roxy Castillo. And the superintendent's kind of flustered by that and ends up uh, uh, punting and is able to secure Senator Castillo's arch rival from Washington, Senator Chad Travis of Texas, who comes in to lead <laughs> the defense. And so they are at loggerheads. They, they share a certain secret history that ends up making the trial more than just a political conflict. It becomes a deeply uh, personal uh, conflict between the two of them by the time we get deep, uh, deep into the trial. And, uh, you know, that pretty much sets the stage. One, one of the features I really enjoyed writing is, of course, in real life, the, uh, uh, the trial was a media sensation. So what I did is in the novel at the beginning of every chapter, so it works out every, every four or five, three or four or five episodes in the, uh, the serialization, uh, we get to see the media all reporting on what just happened and get to listen to some reporters blithely lie about the events that uh, just transpired that you just read about, others with more insightful uh, commentary. I have uh, a, a colorful cast of characters that includes a, a, a dangerous tranny in drag and a MAGA cap who wants to show how the left are the real transphobes. There's a, uh, a young uh, video caster whose nickname is Zoom caster who breaks the big scoop of the trial because you know, of all the network news reporters, he's the one who's got the most, uh, the most gumption and drive to you know, do actual, honest, genuine reporting. Uh, I even have one reporter who is a columnist who channels H.L. Mencken's original reporting from the Scopes trial. And it, it, it's really, it worked out really nicely because his, his columns and his commentary have this vaguely archaic sense to the language of them, but the ideas he is conveying are just spot on and directly relevant to today's political scene and to the action that, that's being presented. So it really is a mix of you know, courtroom drama, uh, media drama, a, a debate and discussion on not just the politics, but on the science and biology versus the the gender, uh, you know, transgender uh, agenda, and uh, some nice character arcs I was able to get through here. The uh, uh, the, the hero's girlfriend and fellow teacher is the daughter of the university president. So she actually ends up being one of the more interesting characters because she's caught between her boyfriend and her mother, the university president, 
thinking she can find some middle ground and ultimately being backed into a corner where she's got to make a choice whose side she's on. That's, and that's one of the more interesting character developments of the, uh, the, the story. So what I'm getting out of it that, uh, that I, I wasn't sure whether to expect is it sounds like you have many characters who are analogous to those historical figures. When you mentioned the famous senator, it sounds like there's your William Jennings Bryant right. analog. But uh, you're not simply retelling the story with with uh, you know analogous faces and names. This isn't this isn't the Animal Farm of the Scopes trial. You've actually written a full novel with you know I want to say original characters and 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 you actually have a narrative and a plot and and it's all it's character driven not it's not just a, a an analog oh absolutely it's certainly inspired by the 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 scopes trial and it follows the the arc of the history of the trial fairly closely i took the original scopes trial uh transcript and used a lot of the legal dialogue and maneuvering that was in the real life transcript and reworked it into the novel. So it really gives the courtroom drama uh, a good sense of uh, verisimilitude. But of course, all the testimony is completely different and uh, uh, required doing a lot of independent research. And I was, I was never really satisfied with how Inherit the Wind uh, came out because Inherit the Wind is really, it's all about the conflict between the two lawyers and their rivalry and about the evolution uh, versus religion debate. And, you know, the, the high school teacher and the girlfriend that he has there <coughs> really aren't I didn't find them very compelling characters. And that was something that I wanted to, uh, to, to change, you know, even though they're in the background, once we get into the courtroom drama, I wanted to make sure that both of them had engaging and credible uh, character arcs, that the events of the story really mattered and that their decisions really mattered in driving the action. You know, they're not just passive observers to this trial event. In, in a couple of very major ways, they're driving the action. And the climax of the story happens specifically because of the choices the, uh, the biology teacher and his, his girlfriend end up making uh, that, that you can see building and being motivated over the course of the story. Oh, it sounds great. That's that's a hundred times more than I expect out of a Hollywood treatment of anything these days. And and something occurred to me. I don't know if you intended to do it this way, or this is just your mo. But uh, the idea that it's it sounds like the Hollywood adaptation of a court case, but the court case is fictitious. Right. Yes. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, you said a couple of times, you basically said that it's just, it strikes me as a, an unusual and amusing way to approach a project 
that you know it's it like if if this this is real this could be a real court case that happened right as, oh, as you point yes. out um and the idea is is that you're not just you're not just writing about this fictitious court case this isn't a thought experiment right you're you're writing the hollywood novelization the dramatization or <laughs> if this court case actually happened in real life you might say well you know it didn't really happen like that you know the girlfriend didn't have much impact or so and so or you know, he didn't really say that on the stand. Here's the transcript, right? That sort of thing. I don't know. If, I don't know if my point's coming across. It just it's it's uh, it's cool and amusing in that way to me. No, yeah. Well, there's certainly a number of uh, you know, modifications from the the real world trial that you know the the authors of Inherit the Wind and I both made. I mean, in in real life, you know, Scopes was a bachelor, and you know, he dated a number of local girls, but you know, he didn't have a serious fiance girlfriend such as was depicted in Inherit the Wind and of course that that I gave him also in uh, my story and uh, uh, you know in Inherit the Wind the uh, uh, antagonist is the evil preacher who is preaching fire and brimstone and you know highlights the the uh, you know uh, superstitious barbarity of the local people. Of course, the analogous character is my university president in uh, my story, and none of those characters really existed in real life. And in, in the real world, uh, Scopes trial, the locals were actually generally interested in challenging the law, and that that's what motivated them to do this in the first place. And they were quite. Uh, justifiably upset when H.L. Mencken and other reporters tried to play it up as you know them being a bunch of ignorant hillbillies trying to stand in the way of progress when they were the ones who took the initiative to challenge the Butler Act and uh, you know in in the first place. Uh, so you know there, there's certainly a lot of liberties taken with with the real world events the you know both stories are only kind of loosely inspired by the events i think mine is probably you know, other than the fact it's not about evolution i you know completely made up the issues it's a little closer to the real arc of history than inherit the wind but of course inherit the wind is uh, a lot closer to the real subject matter of of evolution that was in the real trial Understood. Hey, we've got a question from the chat. Carlos Carrasco asks, have you gotten any flack from the trans movement? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I've had a couple people uh, who have, uh, you know, complained or have, uh, uh, you know, engaged with me on it, but I really haven't had any serious, uh, you know, negative criticism of it. I was, you know, a friend of mine told me he, you know, he, he wasn't giving me good odds that I'd be able to complete my Kickstarter before it would be reported and pulled down. But, you know, I'm get I'm a week from the end and it's, you know, they, there doesn't seem to be an issue. It was approved by Kickstarter and uh, has been, been going along very well. Great. Well, I hope we can uh, help you bring you across the finish line in style. Um, let's see another question. I had an earlier question about hidden truths. So we can switch gears for a minute. Video Mirador asks, uh, are we going to get an omnibus? I'll probably do an omnibus uh, eventually. It'll be a bit of a, a difficulty because the fourth volume of 
the hidden truth a hell of an engineer i i'm a good third or so into it and it's shaping up to be 180,000 words i mean it's going to be almost like an omnibus in and of itself so uh, just looking at the number of pages, I don't think I'm going to be able to get the entire hidden truth into one book. But what I might do is take the first three books and issue them as an omnibus so that you can have that in the fourth book as a, a complete set when I get the fourth book ready to release. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, really... Uh, really cool stuff. I love the way you approach things. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what else I have to ask. Warpig, bail me out here. We found him on. Wait, mute. I'm coming. Sorry. <laughs> I was I was yelling I'm coming at the mic, but I was muted, and so you couldn't hear me saying I'm coming. I was coming to get the right tab so I could unmute myself so I could get to the mic to say I'm coming. You found it. You it was it. a whole thing. <laughs> um, I uh, I honestly don't have any other questions. I mean, I understand. Uh, I mean, it sounds like a fascinating project historically. Um, and I think it's a it's a way I would never have thought of to illuminate modern trends and modern events through uh, through that kind of lens. Um, and, and that's the kind of thing I. Look, that's the kind of thing I find interesting because everything nowadays is that I see is something that is either retread of something that's already happened or it's something that I've thought of myself or, you know, just isn't fresh or new. And this is something that is just outside of the universe of things I would have thought of that's why it's interesting uh is because it's like no if i would have sat here trying to think of ideas for projects for the next 50 years i would never have thought of this one that's why i think it's interesting is because it's completely it's so obviously the pro product of something that you could have given me an infinite number of typewriters and i would never have come up with this um, and, uh, so yeah, yeah. Like an infinite number of daddy war pigs and an infinite number of alternate universes would have never thought of using the scopes monkey trial like this uh, or at all. Well, you know, th there's an, I didn't really realize what I was doing on a, you know, an abstract level until I read this brilliant essay by Alexander Macris. You know, he does the Tree of Woe or Contemplations on the Tree of Woe uh, substack. And he pointed out that the, the modern culture war that we're all in is an act of artistic spoliation. Now, 
spoliation uh, historically in, in the artistic sense, you know, when the Christians took over from the, the pagan religions, they kept the pagans temples. They, they stripped out all of the pagan symbology and turned them into churches. Uh, you know, they, they tore down the, uh, you know, the, the pagan statues and you know, made everything align with their Christian uh, philosophy and religion. And in a large extent, that's what progressive artists have been doing. You know, they, they take uh, cultural touchstones that are relevant and significant to many of us on the the right side of things, our comic book heroes, uh, the the heroes that we grew up with as children in movies like uh, like Star Wars, and they deliberately twist and pervert them from their original meanings and create uh, woke caricatures of them that. You know, frankly, in, in most cases, aren't even halfway decent art. And what I realized that uh, you know I, I've been doing here with my my project, the Wise of of Heart, is I'm taking a progressive cultural touchstone, inherit the wind, which artistically expresses the triumph of modern progressive science over. Uh, you know, superstitious, primitive religion, and uh, you know, engaging in a counter spoliation where I'm flipping the script and I'm turning that work of art into what I hope is a better work of art that flips the script and turns it into a portrayal of how the modern progressive ideology is in fact uh, anti-science and anti-reason and anti-life. And you know, it's occurred to me that there are lots and lots and lots of opportunities to do similar projects. It's very similar to the wise of heart because so much of our uh, cultural legacy uh, either is in the public domain or will soon be in the public domain, or is based on historical events, you know, like the Scopes Monkey Trial, where you know historical events are free for the taker to to take and spin them into a, a work of art. I can imagine seeing a rework of Pinocchio, for instance. You know, Pinocchio was based on an 1883 uh, collection of stories. It's in the public domain. Uh, you know, a lot of the key aspects that are in the the Disney movie are all there in the public domain. The the uh, humble wood carver Geppetto and his his uh, puppet boy Pinocchio and the talking cricket and you know being seduced and taken away to Toyland by the child uh, sex traffickers. And you could do a modern version where you know Geppetto leads the townsfolk stringing up. The, the evil uh, you know, pedophile child sex traffickers on the ramparts of the, the castle, which might look like a castle you're familiar with from Florida, but is really based on you know, the original Mad King Ludwig's uh, Nuschwanstein in, in Bavaria. Uh, you know, all, a lot of the Disney canon 
is now uh, either in the uh, public domain or is based on stories that are in the public domain. And it's free for the, you know, reworking the story in a uh, based fashion that would constitute, you know, not just a, a, a philosophical turnabout or a moral turnabout from the existing canon, but in many cases, it wouldn't be too hard to create a genuinely better work of art. You know, imagine the story of the uh, uh, of Titanic retold from a more based perspective, where you don't have the uh, heroine engaging in a fling, and then you know, you know, years later, so enamored with her lost lover, throwing the priceless diamond overboard. Uh, you know, in, instead of uh, providing it to her her family and grandchildren that she apparently has no regard for. I mean, there's any number of woke cultural touchstones that are begging for someone to give them the wise of heart treatment and you know, rework them with a better based interpretation of the underlying historical or public domain material. That's a heroic task, Herculean even. Uh, well, I, and that's why I'm not keeping it to myself. I don't know if I'll I'd have time to even begin tackling those kinds of projects, but I, I hope uh, you know there are people out there who uh, like the idea and are willing to to take some of those notions and run with it. Uh, it's it's fascinating. Uh, uh, just to sort of. Through, repeat what you said back to you. It, the idea, and something that's been said many times from people who are consider themselves conservative or on the right or something like that, would say, you know, we need to make our own stuff. You know, we need to. Right. Uh, but your your response is is uh, is more intriguing to me, which is, no, they they've taught us how to use our culture as a weapon. So let's use that technique. Let's use that weapon. You know, we're, we're going to, and, um, I think, I think, um, you've been given a, a, an amazing opportunity with the trans movement in particular is an opportunity it, because it is so farcical. It is so ridiculous that that's something that we can actually turn and use against them and it's it, in order to accomplish the goals that you um described you know that you set out it's going to take a long time but the idea of using that weapon like that the nukes are out we have the nukes let's let's use them right yeah. um they whatever whatever this strange post-Christian pagan culture that we are living in right now, um, we can use those weapons against it and hopefully preserve what we care about. Right. Well, and, and that's something, uh, as I look back, I realize, yeah, I, I got into writing inspired in large part by Gamergate. And as I look back at, uh, you know, Gamergate, you know, Gamergate was just a bunch of video game players who just wanted to be left alone to play their games without having, uh, you know, woke 
propaganda and corrupt journalism, uh, corrupt game journalism shoved down their throats. And, you know, once they, you know, you know re repulsed that, uh, you know, woke intrusion, they just, you know, they went back to playing their games. When you look at uh, something like the Sad Puppies movement, you know, the Sad Puppies started because uh, a number of prominent uh, writers realized that the, uh, uh, the game was rigged and that it was the same inside click voting their own work in for you know, what were regarded as the most prestigious awards in uh, uh, the industry for, for science fiction. And you know, they managed to get a lot of people fired up and engaged to uh, participate and get their own works on the agenda. And uh, you know the, the you know the the rabid puppies took that one further and really did a, a amazing job burning down the awards entirely and showing just how how corrupt and worthless the mm -hmm. SJWs had had made them all. But through all of that, the emphasis has not been on taking ground back. The emphasis has been on being left alone to do our own thing. And I think that's a great we, way to lose. I think we are rapidly reaching a point where those kinds of defensive uh, attitudes are, you know, yeah, they're not, they're certainly not a winning strategy. I mean, we're, we're sitting back cultivating our own gardens and, and building our own villages. And every time the barbarians come to our gates, yes, we'll, we'll fight them and drive them off. But that's a losing strategy where, you know, it's it's playing on the defensive. And, you know, uh, unless we you know bring the art and cultural war to the other side and do unto their art what you know they have been doing unto ours for generations now, you know, we're not going to take back any serious ground in the culture. I hear you. Um. And uh, and and I do tend to agree. Um, I think that's what we have time for today, Warpig. Any last questions? No, not really. I just uh, I mean, what I was saying before is I see so many books um, that are uh, you know you see another insert the blank here like uh i've been <clears throat> i've been looking for some good urban fantasy books to read while i'm waiting for the next harry dresden novel and all i keep finding is just more paranormal romance and I, they just, I can recommend Daniel Humphrey's Fade. It's excellent. Yes, I read the first book of that. Um, and, and didn't he rewrite that and re-release that? Yes, that was a Silver Empire offering. I don't know that he really re-wrote re, um, uh, it, but uh, you know, he had to republish it uh, as an independent novel uh, you know, when, when Silver Empire ended up folding and returning all the rights back to their, their authors. But okay. he, he did a, a crowdfund 
you know, several months back for his most recent book. And, you know, there are six or seven in the series now. It's, it's quite an engaging series, and I highly recommend it. I read the uh, Silver Empire uh, volume. So, uh, yes, and I quite enjoyed it. And, uh, absolutely. Uh, people should check that out. Um, but then, you know, like you see another zombie novel online and I'm not saying it's bad or good, but it sounds like all the other zombie novels that are out there. Like there's nothing new that's brought to the table. And, uh, that's what I liked when I, you know, that's what struck me about this project is it's, it's something new that's brought to the table yeah. is it's outside the scope of usual things. Well, and, uh, I was going to say, I'll put in a that's plug. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah. I'll put in a plug for one of the other projects I'm involved in. I run a based book sale, uh, several times a year where authors put their books up either at 99 cents or for free. And we basically put them on sale at the same time and all work together to promote them to our mailing lists and using our social media. Uh, the next one of those is coming up in uh, uh, late June to, to coincide with the dates of LibertyCon in uh, uh, Chattanooga. And uh, you know, any authors who have things they'd like to share should feel free to reach out to me to, to get their books included. That's a great way to take a look at a wide range of uh, novel, interesting works that uh, creative, independent writers are, are coming up with and sample some of their stuff for a very low entry price. All right. Based That's all I have. called it. I'm sorry. What was it called? Uh, I, I call it a based book sale. Okay. And uh, you can come to my uh, my uh, website at etherzar.com and uh, you know take a look and uh, uh, you know I, I have the the last sale is still up there and I'll be be advertising the next one uh, when uh, it goes live here in a little more than a month or so. Sounds good. Anything else you want to plug? We got the Kickstarter. Uh, a link is already in the show notes for uh, those on YouTube. Any no, last words? That, I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with y'all and uh, look forward to coming back again sometime when I've got another project to share. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Uh, I'm thankful that you were able to join us. Uh, it's good to catch up. Good to hear about your projects. And I love uh, your ideas on, uh, you know, what you're doing with fiction. So uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I well, hope, thank you. I hope everybody who uh, is hanging out in the chat, uh, I think we ran out of questions. That's good. And uh, I hope they enjoyed the show. I hope everybody listening later goes and checks out your work and more of our episodes because I think we're pretty great here. But I'm done for the week. Daddy War Pig, take it away. Um, next week we are scheduled to have Misha Burnett, who's currently running a, uh, Kickstarter for his small worlds anthology through Kursova, who is, uh, as I know, rock solid on, um, on creating and fulfilling his Kickstarters. I just got my copy of Michael Turney's Sky Dance of Winter Fire, which, uh, completed its Kickstarter, uh, 
through Kosovo just recently, so uh, I haven't cracked that baby open, but uh, um, I got that, oh, like three days after they said it was shipping. I don't know what uh, what unholy wormhole runs directly to my house, but I every time that uh, Kosovo says, uh, hey, things are shipping, I get mine like two or three days later. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah um as always uh um you know i very very happy with their um uh with their uh kickstarters and misha burnett's got another one running we'll have him on the show next week uh pylum press uh has some stuff going on so we're uh you know we're nosing uh around them just to see when that's coming out and maybe we'll have uh some of their authors coming on to talk about that i know for a fact that the sequel to shag duck um is coming out sometime soon so hopefully we'll uh we'll be having that on the show uh and they are claiming uh that sky hernstrom has a whole entire novel that they'll be releasing soon. Um, let's see. What else uh, have I heard in the rumors department? Oh, yeah. Um, my uh, good friend who has not been on the show in a very long time, um, Gaming Ballistic has either just started or is about to start another Dungeon Fantasy Kickstarter. Um, and so, uh, we are, I am definitely looking forward. I've been having discussions to get him on the show. Um, and, uh, also maybe talking about the Caribbean islands and what's going on there, um, to get in some AD and D and some solo shows without, uh, we definitely uh, uh, have some things coming up or some things on the horizon. So um, I don't know. How does that sound, Ornall? That sounds really exciting. Uh, I To hear about uh, what Pylum Press is up to is really impressive. I think they got some good stuff coming. Can't wait to find out more. That's like three publishers. And, and then we've got uh, some other things I've heard of that I can't put my hands on right now. Um, Oh yeah, John Wick uh, is coming to streaming. Quantum Mania is coming to streaming. Uh, so I might actually be able to watch those and, and review them. Um, I just started Citadel, which is kind of a spy thriller uh, on Amazon Prime. Um, so I might, uh, uh, I watched the first three episodes um and i had a heck of a time so i'm giving an early you know kind of thumbs up so far uh if you want to start watching them they're doing them once a release uh once a week release so um yeah i've enjoyed that uh so i'm going to give a full review once we're done with the series um did i just see something in the theaters that i completely forgot about 
It was probably crap. I may have just saw something in the theaters that I completely forgot about. Or maybe it's something I already reviewed from the show a, a couple of weeks ago, so I don't have to remember it anymore. Did I review something in the theaters a couple of weeks ago that I forgot about? I'm sorry, I don't recall. Uh, the Dungeons oh. and Dragons film. Oh, yeah, I watched the Dungeons and Dragons film. Yeah, my review of that still stands. Other people found that more exciting than I did. Um, not that I'm saying it's a bad movie, but they marvelized material that could have stood for and to be more dramatic. So, yeah. So I'm hoping to catch some movies that came out that were on streaming, that are on streaming that, that I missed in the theater. So maybe we'll talk about that when I see them. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, John Majors has recently had some accusations against them. So he's been dropped by everybody. And it looked like Marvel's big, you know, like they had Ultron and like they had uh, their big plan for a villain for Phase 4 and Phase 5 was going to be Kang the Conqueror, um, who is the multiversal villain from Marvel Comics. And that was being played by uh, John Majors, but he's being dropped by everybody because of Me Too accusations. And so... It looks like uh, they're in a bit of a bind. And so it's going to be interesting to see which way Marvel goes with that. And uh, I'm really hoping that they're going to have to jump into that terrible MODOK I saw from Quantumania. <laughs> because that would just be perfect. That would be the absolute level of quality we've come to expect from Marvel in Phase 4. And if you don't know what any of what I've just said means, then, uh, yeah, that's the level of audience involvement they deserve from Phase 4, too. Oh, sorry. Uh, that's a massive zinger. Uh, those of you who haven't been keeping track, you don't need to know that. And that's the level of audience participation they've come to involve. Um, anyways, folks, thanks for listening to the show, everyone who turned in and listened live. Thanks for uh, everyone who will listen later. We're available on youtube.com slash geekgab. Youtube.com slash geekgab. This has been Geek Gab for Saturday, May 20th, 2023. We're here just about every week. Just about the same time, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. You can also check us out on the uh, Apple iTunes store on google.com and on soundcloud.com download us on the web or listen to us to the on the device of your choice um we are signing out just do a search for geek gab to uh subscribe to us on those platforms we are signing out for today but don't you worry don't you fret we will be back